Chapter Six of David Elginbrod. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit www.librivox.org. David Elginbrod, Chapter Six: The Laird's Lady. Ye archwives standeth at the fence. Sin ye been strong, as is a great camel. Ne suffer not that men you don offence. And slender wives fell as in betel. Beth eager as is a tiger yond in ind. I clappeth as a mill, I you consail. Chaucer, The Clerk's Tale. The length and frequency of Hugh's absences, careless as she was of his presence, had already attracted the attention of Mrs. Glassford, and very little trouble had to be expended on the discovery of his haunt. For the servants knew well enough where he went, and of course had come to their own conclusions as to the object of his visits. So the lady chose to think it her duty to expostulate with Hugh on the subject. Accordingly, one morning after breakfast, the laird having gone to mount his horse, and the boys to have a few minutes' play before lessons, Mrs. Glassford, who had kept her seat at the head of the table, waiting for the opportunity, turned towards Hugh, who sat reading the week's news, folded her hands on the tablecloth, drew herself up yet a little more stiffly in her chair, and thus addressed him. "'It's my duty, Mr. Sutherland, seeing ye have no mother to look after ye.' Hugh expected something matronly about his linen or his socks, and put down his newspaper with a smile, but to his astonishment she went on, to remonstrate with ye on the impropriety of going so often to David Elginbrod's. They're not company for a young gentleman like you, Mr. Sutherland. They're good company enough for a poor tutor, Mrs. Glassford, replied Hugh foolishly enough. Not at all, not at all, insisted the lady. With your connections. Good gracious, whoever said anything about my connections? I never pretended to have any. Hugh was getting angry already. Mrs. Glassford nodded her head significantly, as much as to say, I know more about you than you imagine, and then went on, Your mother will never forgive me if you get into a scrape with that smooth-faced hussy, and if her father, honest man, hasn't eyes enough in his head, other people have, ay, and tongues too, Mr. Sutherland. Hugh was on the point of forgetting his manners, and consigning all the above-mentioned organs to perdition, but he managed to restrain his wrath, and merely said that Margaret was one of the best girls he had ever known, and that there was no possible danger of any kind of scrape with her. This mode of argument, however, was not calculated to satisfy Mrs. Glassford. She returned to the charge. She's a sly puss, with her shy airs and graces. Her father's just daft with conceit of her, and it's new to be surprised if she cast a glamour o'er you. Mr. Sutherland, you're but young yet. His pride presented any alliance with the lassie who had herded the laird's cows barefoot, and even now tended their own cow, as an all but inconceivable absurdity, and he resented, more than he could have thought possible, the entertainment of such a degrading idea in the mind of Mrs. Glassford. Indignation prevented him from replying, while she went on, getting more vernacular as she proceeded. "'It's no for lack of company at you're driven to seek theirs, I'm sure.' There's two as fine lads as good scholars as you'll find in the hale countryside, no to mention the laird and myself. 
but hugh could bear it no longer nor would he condescend to excuse or explain his conduct madam i beg you will not mention this subject again but i will mention it mr sutherland and if you'll nae listen to reason i'll go to them at maun do it i am accountable to you madam for my conduct in your house and for the way in which i discharge my duty to your children no further do you call that discharging your duty to my bairns to set them the example of hanging at a quain's apron strings and filling your lug with idle havers call you that discharging your duty my certy a bonny discharging i never see the girl but in her father and mother's presence weel weel mr sutherland said mrs glasford in a final tone and trying to smother the anger which she felt had allowed to carry her further than was decorous we'll say nae more aboot it at present but i maun just speak to the laird himself and see what he says till it and with this threat she walked out of the room in what she considered a dignified manner hugh was exceedingly annoyed at this treatment and thought at first of throwing up his situation at once but he got calmer by degrees and saw that it would be to his own loss and perhaps to the injury of his friends at the cottage so he took his revenge by recalling the excited face of mrs glasford whose nose had got as red with passion as the protuberance of a turkey-cock when gobbling out its unutterable feelings of disdain he dwelt upon this soothing contemplation till a fit of laughter relieved him and he was able to go and join his pupils as if nothing had happened meanwhile the lady sent for david who was at work in the garden into no less an audience chamber than the drawing-room the revered abode of all the tutelar deities of the house chief amongst which were the portraits of the laird and herself he plethoric and wrapped in voluminous folds of neckerchief she long-necked and leaned and bare-shouldered the original of the latter work of art seated herself in the most important chair in the room and when david after carefully carefully wiping the shoes he had already wiped three times on his way up entered with the respectful but nowise obsequious bow she ordered him with the air of an empress to shut the door when he had obeyed she ordered him in a similar tone to be seated for she sought to mingle condescension and conciliation with severity david she then began i am informed that ye keep open door to our mr sunderland and that he spends most fortnights in your company weel ma'am it's very true was all david's answer he sat in an expectant attitude david i wonder at ye returned mrs glasford forgetting her dignity and becoming confidentially remonstrative he's a young gentleman of talents with ilka prospect of wagging his head in poopit some day and ye aid at bet him at idling away his time in your chimnalog doing war nor nothing ava i'm surprised at ye david i thought ye more sense david looked out of his clear blue untroubled eyes upon the ruffled countenance of his mistress with an almost paternal smile weel ma'am i mount say i didna just think the young man's in the worst of company when he's at our inglenook and for idling of his time away it's well ward for himself for by for us given holy words banalese what do you mean david said the lady rather sharply for she loved no riddles i mean this ma'am that the young man is just actin the part of pater and john at the bonny gate of the temple when they said such as i have give i thee 
and given it be more blessed to give than to receive, as St. Paul said, as the master himself said, the young man will no be the war off in his own learning, that he imparts of it to them that hunger for it. Ye mean by this, David, given ye could express yourself to the point, that the young man what's o'er well paid to instruct my bairns, neglects them, and lays himself oot upon other folk's weans, who have no right to addle aboon the station in which their maker put them. This was uttered with quite a religious fervour of expostulation, for the lady's natural indignation at the thought of Meg Elgenbrod having lessons from her boy's tutor was cowed beneath the quiet, steady gaze of the noble-minded peasant father. He lays himself oot more upon the other folk themselves than upon their weans, ma'am, though nae doubt my Maggie comes in for a good share. But for neglecting of his duty to you, ma'am, I'm sure I cannot who that can be, for it was only yestreen at the laird himself said to me at who the bairns had never gotten on nothing like it with any other body. The laird's already with clevers, quoth the laird's wife, nettled to find herself in the wrong, and forgetful of her own and her lord's dignity at once. But, she pursued, all I can say is that I consider it very improper of you, with the young less bairn, to encourage this nightly visits of a young gentleman, who so far booned her in station, and doubtless will some day be farther yet. "'Ma'am,' said David, with dignity, "'I'm willing no to understand what you mean. "'My Maggie's no one it needs looking after, "'and a body had need to be careful "'and no interfere with the Lord's herdin', "'for he calls himself the shepherd of the sheep. "'And will I lo' her, I mount leave him to lead them "'who follow him wherever he goeth. "'She'll no be ill-guided, "'and I'm no going to keep her at ilka turn.' "'Weel, well, that's your own affair, David, my man.' rejoined mrs glassford with rising voice and complexion and that i have to add is just this that as long as my tutor visits her he visits her no more than me ma'am interposed david but his mistress went on with dignified disregard of the interruption visits her i cannot for the sake of my own bairns and the morals of my household employ her about the house and i was in the way of doing before "'Good morning, David. I'll speak to the laird himself, since ye'll no heed me.' "'It's more to my lassie, ma'am, excuse me, to learn to the understanding the works of her maker than it is to be employed in your household. Money thanks, ma'am, for what ye have done, and in that way, and good morning to you, ma'am. I'm sorry we should have any misunderstanding, but I cannot help it for my part.' With these words David withdrew, rather anxious about the consequences to Hugh of this unpleasant interference on the part of Mrs. Glassford. That lady's wrath kept warm without much nursing, till the laird came home, when she turned the whole of her battery upon him, and kept up a steady fire until he yielded, and promised to turn his upon David. But he had more common sense than his wife in some things, and saw at once how ridiculous it would be to treat the affair as of importance. So the next time he saw David, he addressed himself half-jocularly. "'Well, David, you and the mistress have been having a bit of a dispute together, eh?' "'Weel, sir, we were not altogether of the same mind,' said David, with a smile. "'Weel, weel, we mount hummer here ye can, or it may be the war for us all ye can.' And the lord nodded with humorous significance. "'I'm sure I should be glad, sir, 
but this is no small matter to me and my maggie for we're just going food for the very soul sir from him at his books could not you be content with the books without the man david we should make but small progress sir that get the laird began to be a little nettled himself at david's stiffness about such a small matter and held his peace david resumed besides sir that's a matter for the young man to settle and no for me it would ill become me after all he's done for us to stake the door in his face nay nay as long as i have a door to hold open it's no to be staked to him after all the door's mine david said the laird as long as i'm in your hoose and in your service sir the door's mine retorted david quietly the laird turned and rode away without another word what passed between him and his wife never transpired nothing more was said to hugh as long as he remained at turriepuffit but margaret was never sent for to the house after this upon any occasion whatever the laird gave her a nod as often as he saw her but the lady if they chanced to meet took no notice of her margaret on her part stood or passed with her eyes on the ground and no further change of countenance than a slight flush of discomfort the lessons went on as usual and happy hours they were for all those concerned often in after years and in far different circumstances the thoughts of hugh reverted with a painful yearning to the dim-lighted cottage with its clay floor and its deal table to the earnest pair seated with him at the labours that unfold the motions of the stars and even to the homely thick-set but active form of janet and that peculiar smile of hers with which after an apparently snappish speech spoken with her back to the person addressed she would turn round her honest face half apologetically and shine full upon some one or other of the three with whom she honoured with her whole heart and soul and who she feared might be offended at what she called her home or fashion of speaking indeed it was wonderful what a share the motherhood of this woman incapable as she was of entering into the intellectual occupations of the others had in producing that sense of home blessedness which enwrapped hugh also in the folds of its hospitality and drew him towards its heart certain it is that not one of the three would have worked so well without the sense of the presence of janet here and there about the room or in the immediate neighbourhood of it love watching over labour once a week always on saturday nights hugh stayed to supper with them and on these occasions janet contrived to have something better than ordinary in honour of their guest still it was of the homeliest country fare such as hugh could partake of without the least fear that his presence occasioned any inconvenience to his entertainers nor was hugh the only giver of spiritual food putting aside the rich gifts of human affection and sympathy which grew more and more pleasant i can hardly use a stronger word yet to hugh every day many things were spoken by the simple wisdom of david which would have enlightened hugh far more than they did had he been sufficiently advanced to receive them but their very simplicity was often far beyond the grasp of his thoughts for the higher we rise the simpler we become and david was one of those of whom is the kingdom of heaven there is a childhood into which we have to grow just as there is a childhood which we must leave behind a childlikeness which is the highest gain of humanity and a childishness from which but few of those who are counted the wisest among men have freed themselves in their imagined progress toward the reality of things this ends chapter six